Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back, Darren Mitchell here and you're listening to another brand new episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast coming to you live from the Macedon Rangers on this Tuesday, the 27th of September 2022. Trust wherever you happen to be in the world, you've had a phenomenal weekend, a restful weekend, a relaxing weekend and a re-energizing weekend and looking forward to taking advantage of all the opportunities that are no doubt in front of you and your team this week. And as we always do at the beginning of each week, uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please press subscribe on the platform you're listening to. If you're following on the Apple platform, press follow. That will allow me to let you know when your episodes are up and ready to be listened to, digested, and hopefully implemented. And of course, if you can rate the show as well, and if you do have people within your sphere of influence who you believe may benefit from listening to information, tactics, strategies, and thoughts around sales and sales leadership, then uh, by all means, share this with them, and hopefully they can get some benefit as well. So with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Now, if you asked most people in the world what their greatest fear would be, what do you think the answer will be? Well, odds on, presenting or public speaking will be very, very high on the agenda. And in fact, the more you look into this and the more you speak to people, it's amazing how many people would say that they would rather die than actually have to get up and speak in front of a group of people, irrespective of whether that's a small group or a large group, whether they know the people or don't know the people. And so it's a really interesting, it's a fascinating study of human behavior. Now, yesterday had an absolute ball of a time working with a group of people, uh, helping them just do that, present and speak in public. All of them let's just say were anxious about presenting and some of them had to force themselves to attend the training. Now, I often ask people, is this a training program that you have been, uh, let's just say requested or strongly encouraged to attend by your manager or is it something you've actually self-selected for? Pretty much every single person in the room yesterday said it was something that uh, my manager said I would benefit from and even with that, I still had to force myself to attend. Because at the start of the day, because they didn't know what to expect, and even though they knew each other, because they'd worked with each other in this organization for a little bit of time, and most of them were relatively new to the industry, so I'd been working for maybe four or five years out of graduation school, the vast majority of them were beside themselves with nervousness and with anxiety. And so I started the day with a conversation around that, and I gave them a bit of an insight in terms of what the day would look like, and I gave them up front the challenge that they would be standing on their feet uh, quite often throughout that day. But I also said and painted a picture for them that at the end of the day, there will be a transformation that many of them would not have even seen or thought possible. Now, what I can say is I've run these sort of programs uh, many, many, many times. And there's probably only been about one or two people, and I've trained hundreds if not thousands of people on how to pitch and how to present public speak. Uh, I reckon there's only about a handful that didn't make a transformation and they just had some really, really deep-seated issues that I just didn't have time to work on that particular day. But even those people did make some progress, but it wasn't as much as uh, perhaps I would have hoped and certainly they would have hoped for. So I was explaining to the guys that the the confidence that they'll gain uh, can come from unexpected places and 
I kind of put it out there to say, what if, what if at the end of the day, you can get to the stage where I'll give you some frameworks and tools and all that sort of stuff. What if you get to the stage where you're actually looking forward to and seeking opportunities to present in front of people? And they, they looked at me as if I was a complete alien, but I said, that's, that's actually what is possible and what is in front of you. If you're willing to put yourself into positions that are outside of your comfort zone and really challenge yourself, because I said, it's amazing how you can gain confidence in the most unexpected of places and the most unexpected of circumstances. And for me, as a trainer, as a facilitator, it is just so gratifying to witness transformation of people in just one day. Now, I would love to have the opportunity of working with these guys for weeks at a time to really fine tune and get them really honed in on their presentation pitching skills and public speaking skills. But just to witness the transformation in one day is phenomenal. Just imagine if you could actually spend more and more time on this, how good that would be as uh, as presenters and public speakers. So the conversation I facilitated at the beginning of the day was I wanted to know what were the challenges that they had right now with presenting? Because this is, this is almost like an age-old issue, irrespective of the type of organization I go into, the type of uh, leaders that I work with, uh, whether it be senior executives or people that are individual contributors, uh, there seems to be a common thread when it comes to presenting or public speaking. And it's things like, well, there's this perceived pressure, perceived pressure on having to get it right, having to know all of the answers and having to deliver a certain message in a certain way based on the people who are going to be in the, in the audience. There's also a lack of confidence that I don't know enough of the topic or there might be some people in the audience that know more about the topic than I do and therefore they're going to be literally judging me on everything that I say, which just adds to the perceived pressure that I put on myself. I've also got a lack of structure, so I don't actually have a structure to follow. I just go and blurt out content and often talk around in circles, put too much content in and not enough content, so it's very hard for the audience to follow. But probably the biggest uh, area was anxiety which predominantly stemmed from the perceived pressure, but more, more so the self-talk that people have leading up to a presentation or in some cases during a presentation as well, leads to a level of uh, distress, which is not helpful and certainly not, uh, not constructive when it comes to wanting to provide an impactful message and certainly when it comes to influencing people. So from a selling point of view, I've talked a lot about pitching and the importance of pitching of getting the message right and stepping up to the plate because whether you're a sales individual contributor or a sales leader, one of the core requirements of that role is at some stage you will be required to do some form of presentation. Now, as a sales leader in particular, you may actually be speaking at events, might be internal company events. You might even be speaking at industry forums. So developing a level of confidence around presenting is something that uh, should be on the, on the high priority list of every single sales leader. And the great news about this, as I shared with the team yesterday, is every single person who steps up and delivers a presentation can actually find confidence. Now, it might sound counterintuitive, but confidence can actually be found in the most unexpected of places. And one of those unexpected places is standing in front of a group, all exposed, all vulnerable, having all of the eyes on you and potentially people judging you and still being able to deliver that, irrespective of whether it's perfect or not. And there really is no such thing as perfection when it comes to presenting, but that's where confidence can actually be generated. And the key outcome for the team yesterday was funnily enough, confidence. It wasn't about getting the content right, it was about having a level of confidence that they could get up and have a conversation with anybody. Now, the challenge I issued with them at the start of the day, and I repeated it at the end of the day, and it was interesting to see their different perspectives at the end of the day compared to the start, I said, 
My job is to get you to a point where it won't be, look, we can't create great presenters in one day. That's just impossible and it's a pipe dream. But I said, my desire for you and my wish for you is to get to a point where you can have the confidence to stand up and deliver a presentation as some sort of speech with literally no notice, with no notes, and at any environment. And they said, wow, that is that is amazing. So that was what they were looking for. Now, fast forward to the end of the day, uh, really, really, really pleased with the transformation that each of the participants went through. They ended up doing four presentations throughout the day, and incredibly, each one of them gained a level of confidence that they thought they would never get. Now, the question is, and this is what I want to talk about today, how did we get there? What were some of the things we put in place, and how does this relate to us as sales leaders and certainly sales individual contributors within the sales team? Because we know, as we already said, you're going to have to do some sort of pitch, some sort of presentation as a core function of your role. Now, we're not about creating perfect uh, perfect people, perfect presenters, because there's no such thing. What we're looking for is how do we create authentic, authentic presenters, authentic people who can deliver a message with a level of integrity that resonates with the audience and transfers a level of confidence to the, to the audience, particularly when you're trying to influence a customer to purchase a service or a product. They're going to buy you before they buy the product or the service. So what are some th- key things that we need to be conscious of? And these are some of the things we worked through yesterday to help with the transformation of the participants yesterday. And these are in no particular order. But one of the first things we talked about, because confidence was such a, a big topic and many of them, well, actually all of them were lacking a level of confidence, I talked about the fact that, and I asked the question, like, where does confidence come from? And it's really interesting when you ask this question because sometimes people talk around the fact that they have to think about stuff. They have to wait till a feeling of confidence comes to them before they take action. And what's really interesting, if you if you study very successful people, uh, they don't start out as being successful. They have to start somewhere. And so the key area about developing confidence is not to wait to feel confident. It's to take action, to put yourself in a position where perhaps you can fail, you can fall down. You can scrape your knees, you can make mistakes, but through that area of taking action, you'll start to develop a level of confidence, even if it's a really small glimpse of confidence. Now, what will happen is, and there's a loop that we talk about called the confidence and competence loop. Now, the more you step up and the more you attempt things, you'll start to develop a level of competency or skill set. Now, it's really important, therefore, to have a good mentor, a good coach to teach you the right techniques. So the more you step up and practice those techniques, as you start to develop a higher level of competency through that process of taking action, you'll also start to develop a higher level of confidence. As your confidence grows, the level of competence goes because you can see that you're making progress. So this competency-confidence loop is like an infinity symbol. And so the more we actually get up and take action, the higher the probability is that we'll develop a higher level of skill set and through that process, develop a higher level of confidence. So it was interesting that uh, many of them were saying, well, I'd, I actually have to wait to feel confident or I'll look for opportunities to avoid presenting or even in yesterday's situation going first. Now, one of the things I did say was, you know what, when it, when it comes to developing confidence, and we're about to now deliver a presentation, when I ask for a volunteer, be the first person to volunteer. Don't sit back and wait for somebody else to take it and hope that you won't be picked. Be the first person to take that definitive action. And I guarantee you, even though it might feel anxious, you might feel nervous, which you will, you'll start to develop a level of confidence by doing it first. And so the confidence competence loop was a big part of the conversation yesterday, as was decision-making. Sometimes the decision is, 
can actually step up and to take to take the opportunity and put yourself in a position of let's just say vulnerability where you can be judged. And I and I shared a, a little metaphor around decision making and it and it was around the three frogs sitting on a log. And I said to the team, so there were three frogs sitting on a log. One of the frogs decided to jump in. How many frogs were left sitting on the log? Now every single person in the room says, well there was two frogs sitting on the log. And amazingly, every time I share that little metaphor, most of the people say exactly the same thing. One person, one, one frog decided to jump in, there were two left on the log. And the answer actually is three, because the decision to jump in doesn't necessarily mean the frog decided to jump in. So one thing is to make a decision, the second thing is to decide to take action, and then the third thing is to actually take action. So decision making is absolutely critical. The next thing we talked about was anxiety or nervousness. Now, interestingly, when you talk to people about presenting and you know some of the challenges that the guys shared, and, and this is probably no different to most people when it comes to presenting, is a lot of the time we're thinking about the people in the audience and how they might be seeing us, judging us, listening for mistakes. Uh, and so we put so much pressure on ourselves to try and get it perfect and try to articulate the message in, in the most appropriate way. And anxiety can really take over. And when it does, and I've seen it happen, uh, you can have people who are literally standing at the front of the room not being able to, well, they might be moving their mouth, but nothing comes out. And they just cannot, they cannot find a way to get their words out. And one of the, the main causes for this is they place so much pressure on having to get the content right that they're in their head. They're trying to remember their lines, and, but they're also concerned about what other people in the audience are actually thinking about them. So I put the team at ease yesterday and I said, for the, most, for the vast majority of people who are sitting in an audience, yes, they might be judging you, but as a presenter, you've got to put that to the back of your mind because really, if they're thinking about anything, they're going to be thinking about, well, I could never do what that person's doing. I'm glad the person is up at the front presenting and it's not me they're not going to be thinking about you per se. So all the stuff that goes on in our head is not actually playing out in reality. So one of the big uh, key takeaways I shared with the team yesterday, and this is something that I've been taught um, many, many years ago, is if you're nervous when it comes to presenting, when you're nervous and and, when, and you will become nervous because nervousness is actually a good thing, so it's, it's using those butterflies and getting them to fly in the right formation. When you're nervous, simply think, of service. Now, when I talk about service, it's about, okay, think of yourself as a messenger and put yourself in the shoes of the people and say, what is the message they want to hear? What is the message they need to hear? And so it now becomes all about the audience. How can I best serve the audience? Which means you take your take pressure off yourself. And when you do that, all of a sudden you get out of your own head, having to get the words right. And you now start to become a little bit more connected to the audience and you move, in a, and it might sound really weird, but you move from your head into your heart. When you move into your heart, you're now going to have more feeling. It's now going to be more about the connections you're making with the audience. And therefore, once you've got a connection, your message can get transposed across that connection. So making it all about the audience actually takes pressure off yourself. It's not about us. It's, and I say this to leaders all the time. It's not about you as a leader. It never has been. It never will be. It's about how do you serve your team. And so from an audience perspective, it's always about how do I serve the audience. Now, the other thing from a more practical point of view is to give yourself every opportunity of, of presenting well, you need to know your audience. And that is you need to know what sort of people are going to be in the audience. You, you need to know what their roles are, uh, why they're going to be there, and potentially what they're looking to get out of the presentation. 
Now, this might be easy if you're presenting to people who you know within your own organization, and you probably know these people. You know their background, you know what their communication styles are, you know what sort of questions they ask. So you can then structure your presentation to suit that. Sometimes you'll be presenting to people who you don't know. Uh, you may even have just a title of a person. You may just know the name, but you have no background on the individuals. It's really important to understand that there are going to be different types of people in the audience. And as you structure the presentation, there will be people who are looking for some detail. There'll be people that are looking for the bottom line. There'll be people who are looking for what is the impact on the human side. And then there'll be some stuff that, what is just the goal we're trying to achieve? So knowing your audience before the presentation, and this is, this is where planning and preparation becomes absolutely critical, will help you frame a presentation or frame a message that will hit the marks that will resonate with the people in the audience. The thing is, if you don't know the people, you don't know which parts are going to resonate with which people. And that's okay, as long as you cover all the parts. Now, the danger with a lot of present presenters is they'll present in their own style. And there might be a, a singular style. And for example, there might be somebody who is very analytical. So their natural style to present will be quite analytical and they'll give a huge amount of detail. Now that's gonna resonate with people in the audience who are also quite analytical, but there's gonna be 75% of the people in that audience that probably won't resonate with that as much. And so therefore we have to start putting in different aspects of the presentation to cater for people who want a little bit less detail, want some bottom line stuff, want some human element stuff, so we can cater for all different types of people. The next part of this is once you know the audience really well and what type of people are going to be in the audience, you then need to be really, really crystal clear on the objective of your presentation. Now, always start with the end in mind. What is the outcome that you're looking for? And what I often do, and I shared with the team yesterday, is there are three key components to think about when it comes to the objective. First one is what do you want your audience to be thinking as a result of your presentation? Do you want them to be thinking that they're making the right decision, that there's a level of comfort associated with doing business with you and your and your organization. Whatever, the, whatever that happens to be, you got really clear on what you want them to be thinking. The next part is get really clear on how you want this audience to feel. Now, in order for them to do anything, I'm gonna presuppose that any presentation that we do has to have a level of uh, action or some form of call to action as a result of it. So in order for people to do something, they have to be invoked with an emotion. Even though there are some people out there that say they make their decisions purely based on logic and rationality, the facts are that the vast majority of people will make decisions based on emotion. So as a presenter, particularly when it comes to influencing somebody to go down a certain path or take some form of action, we need to make them feel something. And we've got to be really clear on what that feeling that we want them to have is. And the third component is what is it that you want them to do? So there is a call to action. There is some form of action you want them to take and so when you are really clear on your objective, you can now start to build a structure and put some content into your presentation that will align with those three things, how you want them to think, how you want them to feel, and what is it that you want them to do. The next key thing is uh, about your presentation itself, the actual uh, document that you use. Many people default to using PowerPoint and they make PowerPoint the focus of all of the presentation. And so they'll put so much content into the presentation. Funnily enough, yesterday, I didn't give the team enough time, if not any time, to create any PowerPoints whatsoever. So they literally had to jump on their feet with only one piece of paper, which had a structure on it, and they had a couple of notes on there that they could refer to, but there was no opportunity for them to refer to PowerPoint. 
And so the key thing to remember around influencing people through a presentation is to use PowerPoint very, very sparingly, if at all, and understand that any sort of visual aid, whether it be PowerPoint, flip charts, whiteboards, they are there to complement you. They are not there to replace you. And I see so many people presenting with a PowerPoint deck really, really thick and filled with copious amounts of information, which quite frankly is just going to bore the audience to tears. So do not use PowerPoint if you can if you can avoid it. And if you do need to use PowerPoint, use diagrams, use pictures, use photos, uh, use key phrases or key words. Don't use uh, sentences or don't use big paragraphs. The next takeaway was a conversation around rehearsing. And I asked the direct question, does anybody here who does present ever rehearse? Now, interestingly, there were some that said yes. Majority said no. They tend to, and one of the guys said, well, I don't get time to rehearse. I'm literally given uh, not, not much notice at all, and I spend all my time trying to get the information together. I don't have time to rehearse. And so it, it moved on to a conversation around, can you actually rehearse too much? Now, there's two elements to this. One is rehearsing too much can be a challenge if you are trying to rehearse to remember what to say. So I remember back in the school days, a lot of people who did uh, public speaking, they had to do a, a, a three-minute presentation on a project people, and I've got two hands in the air here, I used to do exactly the same thing, we would write down our speech on little cards and we would literally read the speech or memorize the speech so we can get the words out that we wanted to say. So the content always was king. Now, that's the danger. If we're rehearsing to remember what to say because I think I've got to get the words right, that's where danger comes in and that's where you can rehearse too much because as I said to the team yesterday, it's like a B-grade actor acting in a B-grade movie. When you watch it, it looks like and it sounds like they're just reading lines or they're reciting lines. When you're rehearsing, the rehearsal is about knowing the content, but the rehearsal is about how do I now deliver that in perhaps different ways. So I know the content and I'm not caught up in what to say, but I can say it in multiple different ways and I can be more of a conversationalist when it comes to the presentation. Now, if you look at A-grade actors in blockbuster films, yes, they may still be reciting lines, but they become the character to the point where it sounds natural and it looks natural. That's what we're talking about in terms of rehearsing. So when it comes to rehearsing, always make sure you rehearse, 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 but not to remember the lines, remember the context and remember the content, but be able to deliver it in multiple different ways. Because uh, you might find you get up and do a presentation and there might be some words that you never even thought of using that come out in the presentation as a way to articulate the content. And the last thing we spoke about yesterday was, and last key takeaway was all about encouraging engagement. Encouraging engagement, encouraging questions, and looking for challenges, asking people to not so much disagree, but encourage them to get involved. The best conversations, the best presentations, and look in most context, and certainly in sales, you wanna actually engage the customer in the conversation, in the presentation, because if they can get involved and you can get some sort of feedback on the spot and engage in a two-way dialogue, it makes the presentation that much more impactful. And by the way, it gives you an insight in terms of what this customer's thinking, and you actually might be able to get that customer on side a little bit quicker than if it was just a one-way diatribe of information that you're pouring out to the particular customer. So there were some of the key takeaways from yesterday's uh, session. And again, it was amazing that confidence. And at the end of the day, we did a bit of a debrief and I talked about and asked the question, you know, what's the confidence level now that you have compared to when you started? Having now done four presentations and being in- interactive throughout the day, 
And every single person in the room said, I'm amazed at how confident I now feel compared to how I felt in the morning. Uh, Now, it was only one day, and yes, you've got to go and start doing stuff as well, but the message today is if you're a sales leader and a salesperson and you're a little bit anxious around presenting, then give yourself the opportunity to step up. Force yourself to step up. Go through the planning and the preparation phase. Have confidence in your ability to articulate a message and just have a crack because it's through the action of doing that you'll actually find there's a level of confidence that perhaps you didn't know you had until you actually take that action. So I trust that message uh, finds you at the right time. You might have a presentation coming up, might have a pitch coming up, and uh, hopefully some stuff we talked about today is going to help you in your ability to uh, formulate a presentation, uh, create a pitch, but more importantly, uh, deliver that pitch with a level of influence that will get a positive result. So as a key reminder before we wrap up, if you'd like some help with any of this, if you've got some uh, some challenges within your sales team, for example, around pitching, presenting. Let's have a conversation and see how I may be able to help. Also, if you're a sales leader committed to taking your leadership to an entirely new level, love to have a conversation as well with you about helping you do just that over the next three plus months. Uh, simply go to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time that suits, we'll jump on Zoom, have a conversation about uh, where you're at, where your team's at, we'll map out a plan and uh, we can get started on executing that plan as early as this week. So I very much look forward to that conversation. Thanks once again for plugging into the podcast and I look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.